Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. Every Monday on Lunchtime Live, we put your medical questions to our resident GP, Dr. Sumi Dunn. So if you have anything, please get in touch. You can text 53106 or you can WhatsApp 087 106. Now, Dr. Sumi Dunn, it's lovely to have you in studio. Oh, thank you very much. Marie. We have so many questions in for you already. So I will get straight to it. Um, our first one. I'm a 27-year-old man and I'm currently having difficulty getting up in the morning. I used to get up every morning before 7am and I run six days a week and walk one day a week before work. Now I don't get up until I absolutely have to and I don't do any exercise at all. I've been working seven days a week with barely any days off for the last few months. Don't go to bed and wake up at a regular time and don't get enough sleep most nights of the week. I have no trouble getting to sleep. Uh, but last weekend, I didn't get up until 10am. Why is this happening to me at such a young age? And what changes changes should I make to my lifestyle to help me get up earlier in the morning? My goodness, there's a lot. There's a lot there. There is a lot there, Maraid. Uh, and first of all, you know, a deeper sympathy to, mm. you know, the person that's so bravely um, given us the question. If sleep has always been OK and has suddenly changed, so it's not an ongoing thing, it's a new change. It's worth having a look at little things to begin with, particularly if you've been working so hard. If you're working seven days a week, you know, are you getting any downtime? Are you getting any time to have regular exercise? Because we know exercise helps regulate your sleep pattern. What time are you getting to bed at night? Is that being set at a regular time? Is the bedroom cool enough? You know, too hot a bedroom doesn't promote good sleep. And again, if you're working that hard, um, are you drinking quite a lot of caffeine through the day to stay stimulated and to stay awake? Uh, And we know coffee's good. You know, I'm a big coffee fan. But when you start coming into after two o'clock in the afternoon, the effects of coffee then can knock on your sleep. So the knock on effect may be... Sorry, that early in the day, 2pm? Yeah, around about 2pm. I would call my limit at about 2pm. So go for it in the morning, but hold back at about 2 Uh, And that then can have impact not on how you get to sleep, but also on the quality of sleep. My other concern would be in the background, and we don't have a sense of this, is what's the mood been like? Has there been any external stressors going on or any other life events that's having impact on mood? Because sometimes when mood starts to dip, we do know there's an issue with getting up. You can either get up really early, what we call early morning awakening, Mm -hmm. or you can have hypersomnia where you sleep in. Uh, so that's something also to consider here if uh, this person is listening to us. What's the mood been like? Has that been dipping? And outside that, if there's anything else going on and young, fit, active, regular exercise, and this is becoming an overwhelming issue, I really would talk to your GP. Okay, okay. Um, right, another one in here. I'm 28 and I have all the markers for hypothyroidism. Um, because but because bloods have come back normal, GP won't look into it further. So where do I go from here? <clears throat> A tricky one, completely understand. But we as diagnosticians and clinicians rely on blood tests, particularly around thyroid. And it gets such a lot of press. And absolutely, again, there are so many things that can also have the same kind of symptomology as hypothyroidism, fatigue, mm-hmm. you know, low mood, prevailing pervasive low mood, possibly weight gain, a change in periods if the listener is female. Uh, so there's lots of things that go on there. Uh, and is it hypothyroidism or symptoms that are similar 
or is it something else? And if the blood tests for your thyroid function have been normal uh, and there's no other indication, I'd be reassured by that. Okay, so it's it's something, it's not that. It's highly unlikely in the absence of normal thyroid function. Yeah, people say uh, the camera doesn't lie, but maybe the bloods, bloods don't lie. Well, I mean, again, you know, with anything, if there's a concern, it's always worth getting bloods repeated. Okay. You know, uh, because and if you've got two sets of results over a period of time, let's say three months, six months, not I wouldn't do it, you know, weekly. Of course, I'd, I'd go back three months, six months later. If the two tests are normal, I'd be really quite reassured by that. OK, OK. Uh, do you know what may be causing my very red gums and sore teeth? Um, is it an infection, but it happens randomly on and off? Okay, I'm no dental expert. Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid that's kind of a little bit of med school. That we, uh, we <laughs> skipped get, over. We didn't get to teeth, I'm afraid, in med school. Um, but uh, sore gums, uh, and also take a look at are your gums bleeding, painless bleeding gums, is quite often a sign of gingivitis. Okay. Uh, for which really that's linking in with your dentist and an oral hygienist, and if it's coming on and off. Uh, so again, uh, not my area of expertise. Really sorry about that, but I would look at your oral health. Right. Okay. Uh, this one, I have rheumatoid arthritis and I take methotrexate yeah. tablets once a week. Yeah, methotrexate. Okay. Um, am I okay to stay on these forever? I'm 63 and on other medications also. I'm a bit nervous as I know these are strong tablets. I would appreciate your advice. Absolutely. I mean, methotrexate is has been a game changer, actually in treating rheumatoid arthritis. Mm. It really has. And if it's been prescribed for you, there's a really good reason for it. And it's in a group of drugs that we know as disease-modifying drugs. So the effects of rheumatoid arthritis, if it's not treated appropriately, can be quite devastating, not just on the bones and joints, but on overall health. So these drugs help prevent anything serious developing and certainly preserve preserve the architecture of the joints. And that's what we want. So if it has been prescribed for you, it does come with what we call monitoring guidelines. So you will have been advised to get regular blood tests either back at the clinic or with your GP to make sure that there are no other concerns. And that's possibly the concern that comes with methotrexate, because if you Google it, it would scare the living daylights out and of And obviously, you. I think maybe that's what our listeners don't hear. Um, it's, it seems OK, but a bit nervous because I know there's strong Absolutely. tablets. Uh, but again, it's risk versus benefit if it's been prescribed as I've said, it's been a game changer okay. in the world of rheumatoid arthritis. So again, that's that's good news for our 63-year-old listener there. Um, another one. My partner has recently woke in the middle of the night feeling sick twice in the past two months. Then she had a kind of seizure or fit lasting about one minute. On both occasions, once she comes around, she can only remember feeling sick and not having the fit. And I don't think she's believing me. Can you advise on what this could be? She eats very little during the day and has a late dinner. I'm wondering, could this be a factor? Uh, In this particular instance, I really would ask this person who's concerned about their partner to link him with their GP. There's enough concerns there, particularly if there's been seizure type activity. And that does need investigating to make sure that there isn't what we call a neurological cause behind it. And if that can be ruled out, then we can start looking at things around diet uh, and not eating enough calories through the day. But my concern would be particularly this is happening at night. Uh, There's no recollection around it. It's causing concern. This definitely warrants a GP review.
Okay. Uh, another one here. I've been getting weird rashes on my skin. They are itchy and sore, mostly on my hands. Uh, they're becoming really sensitive and it hurts even when I wash them. Any idea what could be causing this? Would any foods I'm eating impact? Uh, highly unlikely foods wise. But uh, first question, do you wash your hands a lot? Mm. Number two, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what do you do? Uh, we see this quite commonly uh, with our fabulous members of the hairdressing profession really? because the hair dyes irritate their skin and that can set up what we call a contact dermatitis or a dermatitis uh, and we saw a lot of dermatitis through covid in our health professionals because they were forever washing their hands with quite harsh agents so do take a look at what you're using are you using sanitizing agents if you are fine but it could be hard on your skin uh, and it may need a course of what we call local topical steroid uh, to add to the skin to make it better as opposed to just hand cream on its own. Highly unlikely to be food related. Okay, interesting. And yes, I do remember back at that time, a lot of us were getting sore hands. Yeah, cracked hands hands because we were washing hands. All the time. All the time. And and using hand sanitizer on top, or as it's called in my house, Hanitizer, because my children never learned how to say it correctly. Yeah, Hanitizer. <laughs> um, another question here. Uh, Dr. Sumi, I've had two miscarriages. I'm wondering, should I be getting tests done? I'm 36. Uh, my doctor says my progesterone is normal. OK, I'm so sorry to hear that. Mm. Uh, and thank you for sharing that. I would. Um, that that would be the bottom answer. It's not always linked to progesterone levels. We do know there are some other conditions. Unless we go looking for them, we won't know. Uh, there is what we can call an autoimmune condition, very rare, but sometimes that can set up a reaction where the body just doesn't want to be pregnant. So okay. it can send out a signal to say, I'm not, this is something alien, I really don't want to be pregnant. So that could be a cause. There could be another cause if you are prone to a condition that makes your blood a little bit more sticky, giving what we call antibodies to that and antiphospholipid syndrome. Uh, that could be a causative agent. Uh, and again, we won't know until it starts getting investigated. I think sometimes you don't know until women start talking in friends group or sisters how common miscarriages actually are. Yeah, miscarriage, it's so devastating. It's not spoken about. uh, And so many women suffer in silence. But certainly after, if someone's had one miscarriage and then they've had a second, it's certainly worth that conversation to say, why is this happening? Okay. Um, and thanks for that. And and again, I hope, hope our listener is okay. Another one here. Uh, my eyelid won't stop twitching the last few months and there is pressure in my head on and off. Is there any ideas from the doctor what could be wrong? Hard to say, uh, to be I'm perfectly honest. An eyelid twitch on its own really isn't of concern. It tends to stop itself. But if there is a pressure feeling in the head, it could be worth getting your blood pressure checked uh, and just seeing how you are overall. Uh, And also, you know, when you're in getting your blood pressure checked, if your GP is available, to check what we call the cranial nerves. And they're the nerves that innovate the face around the eyes, around the ears, around the mouth. uh, And overall keep us moving, talking, walking, feeling. Uh, And that doesn't take very long. Uh, And if there was something that was picked up, uh, that could be looked at further. But again, you know, on the whole, an eyelid twitch doesn't really cause concern. Oh. It's really annoying. Though. Yes, yeah, annoying. super annoying. Um, OK, another one here. Uh, in the last year, I have started to shake uncontrollably when I'm in a crowd of people uh, or in conflict or an argument with another person. My legs and arms tremor and I've had to leave any situation to be on my own to make the shaking stop. Can the doctor advise what might be happening to me? Well, this sounds so scary, doesn't yeah. it? Um, 
I'm just wondering here whether this uh, brave person, is there an element of anxiety uh, mm. that's coming into that, that's causing this physical symptomology uh, and the reaction to that being uncontrollable shaking? A uh, little bit of reassurance in if it gets better when you're not in that situation, then the crowded situation is a trigger. Uh, and interestingly, around that the talk therapies or what we call cognitive behavioural therapy uh, is of huge and immense value. Uh, the difficulty is access to such great mm. services uh, and quite often you do have to come through general practice to take that further. Okay, so do you think this is um, anxiety? It when- could be if, it's, if that's the only symptom on its own uh, and it's just a crowded environment. Mm. You know, if it was something a little bit more sinister, it would be happening all the time. Um, okay, can you please ask Dr. Sumi for information about Ramsey Hunt symptom syndrome? Uh, yeah, the syndrome. Uh, so shingles in the ear. I was diagnosed with this, yeah. uh, but only on the third visit to um, the emergency department. I learned since that quick diagnosis is very important for a good recovery. I have never heard of that. Yeah. So what you know, so shingles is a reactivation of the chickenpox virus that can happen, uh, particularly in adults. And again, these nerves that I spoke about just a minute ago, uh, it's one of the facial nerves. Uh, And it's one of the nerves that goes and kind of innovates around the eye, around the side of the nose, and then happens to travel along into the ear. And when you get shingles, it always follows a nerve. It follows what we call a dermatome or a nerve distribution. So you won't get it everywhere. You'll get it in a pattern, commonly in a band around, you know, your abdomen or your upper back. But the Ramsey-Hunt one can follow down into the ear. Uh, And absolutely, prompt treatment is really, really important. Why? What can... Uh, uh, You can be left with effects, you know, that affect the nerve and it may affect your hearing. Uh, And certainly if the vesicles, because it looks like little chickenpox blisters, if they're around the eye area, that needs specialist care. Okay. So that does need a follow-up to make sure everything's been cleared up the chances of complications are really, really rare, but prompt treatment is vital. Okay, thank you so much for that, uh, Dr. Sumi Dawn. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk.